Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. Is everybody good today? Home stretch. Last day of Discipleship Conference. Well, my name is Greg Wimpy. I failed to introduce myself last night. It was a little bit crazy with the welcome. It was, uh, we were going to have Randy do it, then I was going to do it, and then we were going to have Sam do an announcement, and then it was going to be Brandon. It's like, I don't know what we're doing. I'm just welcoming people and glad they're here. <laughs> so, uh, I'm the executive pastor here at Oklahoma Baptist Church. So, if you're from out of town, we are so appreciative that you've taken time out of your busy schedules to be a part of our Discipleship Conference, I hope that it's been beneficial to you um, and equipped you. I mean, that's the purpose of what we're doing is to, to help you get a better understanding of what discipleship is and especially through these courses to help you understand what that would look like going forward. Um, so with that said, um, what we're going to do is you've talked about philosophies of discipleship. We talked about the stages, we talked about the different levels. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the goals. You've already kind of went through those in detail, and we're going to kind of align those. So the last one is tying it in with the tools of discipleship. So we're actually going to talk about the lessons. So kind of more the rubber meets the road in the process of discipleship and what that looks like. So before we get started, let me pray for us, and then we'll uh, dive into the notes. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We're just so thankful for uh, your love and care for us. Thankful most of all for the gift of your son and the relationship, the kindred relationship that we have with you. And so, God, we ask you, Lord, that you will be the teacher, that you will speak through us, uh, that you'll help us to just come to a settled place, help us to be receptive of what you have for us. And uh, we'll just praise you and thank you for all you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So here's the deal. If you're going to start to do a job, right, you need to have the right tools. If you've started going to dig a ditch, what tool would you want to have? All right. So if I'm out there... Do I? Excavator. I was going to say, it depends, right? Some people are like a shovel. Yeah, there we go. Use power tools. Yeah, you got to have the right tools to be able to do the job. And, and here's the deal. Here's the deal with these tools. Keep in mind, the Bible is your authority. When we're talking about personal discipleship, we're talking about from that perspective, that is the authority. And, and for me, when I'm discipling someone, that is my main objective, to establish the Word of God as their authority. And, and I will tell you, a lot of times when you're starting out, um, whether you're being discipled, let's do a show of hands. Has anyone in here been discipled? Okay. All right. Just kind of know the lay of land of who I'm talking to. And, uh, ben or being, yes. <laughs> okay. So there's some in the process, and there's some done, and there's some have not. That's good. A little bit of all. A little bit of all. So um, one of the most important things, though, is when you're going through that process, and for those of you that have been in it or are going through it, you realize there's things that you maybe have established in your own mind, whether it was from mom and dad, whether it was from what you've already heard in church, and that becomes your authority. And the challenge there is, is when you're confronted with the Word of God, you're going to have a choice. Do I believe what I've always been told, so what I've always known, or do I accept the Word of God? And that can be a hard thing. I mean, we, we say these things, right? We're in church, right? We've got to say that. No, 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 the Bible's... But when it comes to rubber meets the road, 
in your mind. Well, that's what I've always said. That's that struggle that you have. So you have to appreciate that in the eyes of your disciple and what they're going through. Because many of them, especially, um, and for me, it's just when you think of discipling someone, typically you're going to have two different categories. There's one person that's, they've grew up in church their whole life. And then there's those that never been around church at all. For me, when you talk to folks that have been in church their whole life, those can be the greatest challenges. Because I'll tell you, and I would say for me personally, and I would even say if we had any of you guys share, you probably had your own heresies and didn't even realize it before you came through discipleship. Because it's based on things that you've always heard. And a lot of times we put the authority in the man versus the authority in the Word of God. And what I tell everyone is, you know, regardless of who is speaking, um, who is communicating, you need to run it through the filter of the Bible. Uh, and that's what you want to establish with your disciples. So if what we're talking about is a tool to help you do that. So the point I want to make, though, is the Bible is your authority. <laughs> that is your authority when you're walking through that. This is just a tool. We're going to talk about the different aspects of that and what that will look like, how it will work, the functionalities of those things. Um, but to me, that's kind of let's establish that as a foundation. That's what it boils down to. So with any tool, just know, again, we look at the Word of God as our authority, and you know, I teach with our preschool folks sometimes when I'm going to communicate with them in chapel is, and they will come back and say it is 100% true. But then when you're looking at um, the aspects, so we're not going to change things in the Bible, but when it comes to lessons and things, well, you know what, we may change the orders of things and how we function because it's a tool, right? It's a tool to administer that with your disciple. So it's kind of keeping those things in mind and not being so rigid. It's a fluid situation because I'm trying to establish them in that book. So what we're going to do in your notes is let me grab one so that way I'm looking along with you. So we're going to take 2 Timothy 2 2. If you've been around one of our churches in the fellowship at any length of time, this is your discipleship verse, right? So, in the things that I was committed, things I had heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So, who is speaking? Does anybody know? Yeah, so he's talking to who? Right. So this is a cool perspective because it gives you a four-generational aspect. So it's four generations. Paul said, hey, the thing is that you've been with me. So there's your two people. So I have been teaching among these many witnesses. So I want you to take that same thing that you've heard and commit thou to who? Faithful men. Not just anyone. Faithful men. Who shall be able to do what? That's the key to discipleship. And we'll talk more about that as we kind of go through this lesson. But the key to it is understanding you're not just teaching that one person. It's a life-on-life -life reproductive process. So you want to make sure that you're communicating it well enough to your personal disciple that they're receiving it in a form that they can then teach someone who can then teach someone else also. Does that make sense? So, so it's, a, it's a really to determine how effective that you are at discipleship, it takes four generations. Does that make sense? I mean, that's what, that's what this verse is communicating to us, and that's kind of the challenge that Paul is telling us. So we're going to break this verse down and use that kind of as our guide as we walk through. We've got six different points, and we'll break down the different lessons and kind of how they work and how they function. So first point there is, letter A is, focus on making doctrine the priority. Focus on making doctrine the priority. And the strengths of there is, it's in the things from the verse. So obviously there should be a right relationship between the disciple and the disciple maker. 
And that's the key to this thing working. I know we here at Oakland Heights, we really pray about those pairings. Um, and your church, when we do it a little bit differently, but for us, we bring it, all the pastors come together. And someone signs up for personal discipleship, and we pray over, hey, we've got these folks that have been discipled, and we want to look at these other folks, and we want to say, hey, is there something that connects them? Is there ministries? Is there uh, where they are in their walk of life? You know, where is a good perspective for them to get linked together? Um, to really pray about who is going to be best to pair those folks together and for them to walk through that, because that's where the key comes in. So, but your ultimate goal is we want to equip faithful believers. That's what we're trying to accomplish. And um, I got to remember, I'm not used to clicking slides, so I apologize. So if I forget some, just say, hey, you forgot to throw it up there. Um, Titus 1.3 tells us, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me, according to the commandment of of God, our Savior. So the things that were committed to Paul, this is the things that were committed to him. So it's the Word of God was committed to him. It was committed to, to him to share with others. And he received a how? Through preaching, right? So that's the same thing for us, is how it's a life-on-life -life perspective. So how the Word of God has changed you, you're wanting to take that and communicate that to other people. And then if you think of the things that were committed to Timothy, so in 2 Timothy 1, verses 13 and 14, let's hold fast, what? The sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and of love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. So there's some sound words, not just any words. It's sound words which thou hast heard of me. So you've been there, you've heard me teaching these things, you've been here to communicate these things. These are the things that I want you to be responsible for. And then it says, the good thing which was committed unto him. And so if you were to do a study, and I don't think this is in your notes, but if you want to jot these verses down, if you looked at committed to faithful men, the Bible looks at the word committed. You can look at Romans 3, 2, it talks about the oracles of God. You got 1 Corinthians 9, 17. It's the dispensation of the gospel. You've got 2 Corinthians 5.19, which is the word of reconciliation. You have Galatians 2.7, which is the gospel. And then 1 Timothy 6.20 is by implication is the, the scriptures themselves, the word which was committed to us. And so let me run through those again. I went through them quickly. Romans 3.2, 1 Corinthians 9.17, 2 Corinthians 5.19, Galatians 2, 7, and then 1 Timothy 6, 20. Here's the thing. When you're walking through discipleship with someone, you need to make sure, and don't just make assumptions. Don't assume, even if there's someone that grew up in church their whole life, they could have been saved when they were five years old. That doesn't mean that they fully have grasped the words of God, the truth that's in the Scriptures. Don't make those assumptions. Don't assume they know that. You need to walk them through that. Because again, why? Remember that four-generational thing? i got to make sure that they're fully grounded in this because they need to have what, what I have. I've got to get them to that level. And it's going to take some time. This isn't a, you know, again, we talked about it last night with Joe's message. This is, we live in a microwave of society. We want things we want it now. For us, when we walk through someone with personal discipleship, it's at least an 18-month perspective. 18 months that you're looking to pair those people up that they go through that. Sometimes it goes longer. We have had people that takes three years. I don't recommend that. That's too long. Uh, 
But sometimes it takes that. And again, the way that works is everybody schedules and things, but the point there is you need to make sure that we're committing these things to them. And, and then John 17, 17 said, and sanctify them through thy truth. And what is the truth? Well, it's the words of God. The words of God is the truth. And again, you know, it's a lot of times we, we may be tempted as we're walking through and studying with folks, we'll be tempted, as uh, Hebrews 13, 9 talks about, to, to get in some deep doctrines. Oh, look, this is a cool thing. Let me, let me show you these things. Let me, let me impress you with my great knowledge and prowess. And, and that's not what God's wanting us to do in the personal discipleship. He says, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with me, which have not profited them, that have been occupied therein. Again, as we compare Scripture to Scripture, if we look at Acts 20, verse 32, it says, And now, brethren, I command you, and I commend you to God, to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up, to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. And then 1 Corinthians 3, 2 says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were able to bear it, neither yet... Now are ye able? So the perspective you have to have is, and regardless of our church background, and someone could have been saved for 30 years. Someone could have just got saved last week. We need to treat them as you walk through this with the milk of the word. And if you look at it from the aspect of our physical growth process, if you want to have a, a, a baby, say a child less than one, they'll be in here. Some have had children. Yes. <laughs> so, you wouldn't, if they showed up at dinner time and you're having steak, you wouldn't just slap a steak on the, on the chair, right, for them to throw down on, right? What would we give them? The milk. And that would get gross, but we think about where milk comes from, right? It's food that's been processed <laughs> to provide them that nutrients, right? So that's the perspective that we're doing. What you have received... What you have processed, you're going to give them that milk. You're going to equip them with that. So to look at the lesson, so this kind of gives you an outline, an overview of what the lessons look like. So there's 18 lessons that we have. So from salvation, eternal security, the ordinances, Holy Spirit, uh, I think maybe, is there a list of these? Yeah, yeah. So if you look on page three, you got a list of those at the bottom. It kind of gives you that list of what they are. Um, but there's, in each of these lessons, I'm going to show you what the lessons look like. I'm going to break down the lessons themselves. But this gives you an idea of what the many areas they are, and we'll talk about how they're grouped. Um, but again, it gives you, here's the point. The point with these, it gives you a roadmap. It gives you a roadmap to walk them through the Bible. That's really, again, don't, don't look at this. We're talking about the tool. That's all this is. That's all this is. Um, and, and I'll just pause here to even say, Here's the reality of it. When I walk through discipleship with someone, the most important thing is I want them to be established in the book. So I want them to be regularly reading in the Word of God. I want them to be regularly praying. They need to be regularly attending worship services and a small group. And if they're not doing those four things, well, we don't need to be doing this. This is not to take the place of church. This is not their personal church one-on-one. -on -one. That's not how this works. This is to help continue to grow you. But they need to have that personal individual walk with Christ. 
on a daily basis. They need to be communicated with Christ. Because here's the deal. After that 18-month period that you have been walking with them, guess what they're doing? There's less of that accountability. They're not meeting with you weekly. So you want to be, as a disciple, have the confidence that, to know that, no, 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 they're reading the Word of God. The Word of God is conforming them. And they know how to do that. And they know what that looks like. And they're journaling. So they're, they're taking what they're reading. So what is God saying to me? What is that communicating to me? What am I supposed to do with that? So it's those things that you want to equip them with. So, again, this is a roadmap. It's a process. And it's important that we kind of keep these things in check and kind of understand because it's easy. It's easy to kind of get these things out of kilter. And I get it. Life happens and there's circumstances and things. But you've got to make sure they are reading. And, and I've had recent conversations with some of our folks that are discipling. And they will say, and I say, hey, man, how's it going? Well, you know what? They're, uh, they were still meeting, um, but they're, they're kind of struggling reading the Word of God. Stop. Stop the lessons. Focus on that. Continue to meet, but stop the lessons. We don't need to keep shoving down. This isn't, again, I know I joked about it as a spreadsheet guy, but it's, it's not about a checklist. It's not about, it's easy to fall into that perspective that we want to check things off. No, 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 no. Okay. Craig's told me 18, you know, 18 months. I've got to get through these things. We've got, we got to meet. You know, we get, this won't take three or four meetings a month. You know, we've got, slow down. If they are not doing those things, you're, you're, you're not helping them. You're really hurting them. Because um, the Word of God, you know, as we, we do that process, He tells us to add to your faith what? Virtue. He doesn't say add to your faith knowledge. Because what does knowledge do? Gives you some pride, right? So guess what you're doing to someone who's not ready for that? Look at me. Look at what I know. Let me come and show you what I know. Let me tell you. No, 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 no. You don't need to be doing that. I don't even encourage that. We've got to make sure that they've got the virtue. And virtue is, I've read the Word of God, and I'm receiving what it says, and it's conforming my life to that. And it takes time. Again, that goes back to what I said a while ago. It's about establishing the Word of God as your authority. That has to be how this plays out. So we'll talk more about kind of how these can be aligned and, and what they're broken down and how they look. So the lessons themselves, this is kind of a, just a layout, an overview, um, is each lesson is broken down with what the topic is. So in this particular case, it's salvation. There's a key word for the lesson. You've got some key questions. You have the key purpose of the lesson, and then you've got the key point of the lesson, and there's some memory verses in there. So this gives you kind of an overview step process. So there's a few first few pages of the lesson itself to help you kind of understand what we're going to be talking about. So the key there is when you're meeting with your disciple, you should have already looked over this before you got in there. The first time you crack up your notebook, even if you disciple somebody before, go back and read. Pray for your disciple. Pray for you. Again, if, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit of God within us, and He is the one that's going to be the teacher, not you. And if you expect for there to be life change, believe me, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do that to them. And, and, and for them as an individual, they're not going to change without the Holy Spirit of God doing that in them. So, again, it's just about walking through these things for that disciple and kind of helping them. So, when you have these questions, you're going to talk about that. So, what does it mean to be born again? What do you think? <laughs> so I'm going to pause and I'm going to listen to them. And I'm going to hear what they say. And I don't know, you know, one of the key things that we should be doing 
as a disciple of Jesus Christ is evangelizing, right? Sharing the gospel. And when I do that, when I've had conversations with people and sharing the gospel, when you ask people about, it's like Jesus with Nicodemus, right? He was like, I don't know, how, how, does the, how, how do I go back into my mother's womb? As a, it's just a, it's not a computer, how does this work? But when you ask someone if they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you get a myriad of responses. And I ask them, well, well tell me more about that. I'm very probing because I want to know, what does that look like? Where are they in that? And I will tell you from all your lessons, this is one of your most critical. Because if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, guess what? Stop. <laughs> hey, by the way, you pair me up with them and they're not believing. That doesn't mean that you may not continue to talk to them and work the process with them. But it's more of once you lay this out, and this lesson is very clearly is a gospel-centric message, you, you provide the opportunity. Hey, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Now that you've heard this, and if they say, well, yeah, they have a process. Well, that's awesome. Let's, let's do that. Let's pray. I have no saving ability. But if they're not, if they're like, yeah, I don't know, man. I, you know, I've heard these things. and I don't know That's cool. That's cool. Don't, you don't want it to be a thing to where they feel like, again, oh, well, I can't, you know, you're putting pressure on them that I can continue with this because I'm going I'm, I'm to miss out on something. No, no, no. no, no. I have no saving ability. Only the Holy Spirit does that, and He does that in you. I'm going I'm to share it. And uh, Paul tells us, we're planting seeds, we're watering seeds, but God's ones going to give the increase. It's up to Him. He's going to do that on His time with them. And it's okay. It is okay. And there may be those, too, as I was talking about before, where they're in here and they're wanting to meet, but then it turns out they're not reading, not praying, not coming to church on a regular basis, these different things. Guess what? We're going to continue working with them. We're going to continue encouraging them. But there comes a point where we say, you know what? Hey, it's okay. Right now's not a good time. And it's okay. It's okay. Don't, don't, I don't, never want to be a perspective where I make someone feel less than when it comes to this. Man, they need to be where they want it. And again, as a disciple, you feel that pressure of, no, 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 I've got these lessons. I, 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 I gave this to you. No, no, no. It's on them to receive it. They've got to want it. It's not for us to shove it down their throat. It's for them to want that. So, keep going. Next point is, focus on maintaining a teacher and student relationship. Focus on maintaining a teacher and student relationship. And again, we look back to 2 Timothy 2, 2, where it says, Thou hast heard of me. So again, there was a relationship between Timothy and Paul, and there was a closeness that they had. And again, we think about that relationship, and Joe's talked about it in this early message, I think, on Sunday night. Man, right out of the gate, Tim didn't know all these things. It wasn't like he came ready-baked and ready to rock and roll. No, no, no. He needed that guidance. He needed it. So that's what Paul provided him, that opportunity for him to do that. So the key there is, in that relationship, there has to be a disciple before there had to be discipleship, right? So there's a teacher and there's a student. So the point there is, a lot of times when we get together and we start doing this, hey, it's kind of like we're doing a Bible study and we're just kind of living life together and we're studying. That's not really perspective. And what I relate it to is kind of a, a family perspective. I have two daughters and I have a great relationship with them. And there's a relationship, there's a closeness, there's a bond. But there's also that perspective, and I want to be close to them, but it's not intended for me to be their best friend. Because there's times as a parent that I'm going to have to give them some tough love. 
I want to be very direct with them on circumstances and things I see in their life, and, and I want them to be receptive. And I've had those conversations. And sometimes, to be honest, we're that against the same thing. And I think it's a great way, if you have children in those relationships, and even brothers and sisters, when you have those relationships, is recognizing it's a two-way deal, right? Just so talking about when I pray, when I have those conversations, I'm praying for them and, and for God to use me. And they have to be receptive for that. And there's times where either how I've presented or they may not have been receptive for that. And we kind of circle back to that conversation in a different perspective, right? Same thing as you're working with your disciple. It's not for you to necessarily be their best friend. The perspective there is you're communicating truth. And you will do it in a loving manner, right? And we're seasoning our conversations with salt. It's not that you're bringing the heavy every single time. Because, <clears throat> man, life's going on. And, and I get it. That's not to say each time you meet that life happens. Yeah, man, I, I've been really trying to get into reading the Word of God, but, man, I got sideways here and this come up or that come up. Man, that's cool. I'm going to give them some grace, right? But I'm going to continue to walk through that process with them. Um, the other aspect is, again, when we talk about discipleship, it's not just a Bible study. That's not what we're trying to accomplish. It is based on relationships. And I will tell you, that is such a key perspective. It's when you're in discipleship with that person, it is a relational thing because you want to establish that right relationship with them. Because guess what? Just like the relationship that I have with my daughters, that if I've got the right relationship, guess what? They're going to be more apt to listen to me, right? They'll be much more receptive to me. Same thing with your disciple. If you've got the right relationship, guess who they're going to listen to more than anyone else? The disciple. Mm-hmm. What? It's based on that relationship. You've heard it said before, ministry runs on the rails of relationships. So the key there is the cargo that you're carrying is the Word of God. And the rails for that transport is the relationship. So what you're doing is through that relationship, you're bringing the Word of God and equipping them with that. So 1 Corinthians 4, 14-16 says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ I have begotten you through the gospel, wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Man, and how true is that, right? When you, you guys went to college? I'm an industrial engineer by trade. And so when I was in college, and you're listening to those professors, there's no relationship. He could care less, or she could care less, if I'm there, if I'm not, if I'm receiving it or not. They would rather give me a failing grade versus not. That doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter, right? And that's the perspective of what this verse is saying. There's 10,000 instructors. There's people who can get up and just spout information. That's not what this is about. This is a one-on-one intimate relationship that you're going into. If we think about back in Genesis, what the Bible say with Adam and Eve? So they walked and talked in the cool of the day. So it's even outside of that time that you're meeting. It's relational. You're building relationships with them. Because it says, yet ye not many fathers. So what's the difference of a father and an instructor? They're in it with them, right? They're coming alongside them, putting an arm around them. Hey, man, man, I think this kind of went down. And good or bad, what are the circumstances are? But they're sharing wisdom, they're equipping, and they're doing it from that perspective versus just communicating information. Does that make sense? 
So that's your perspective as you're discipling. And then also in 1 Thessalonians 2, <clears throat> 10 and 11, <clears throat> it says, You are witnesses in God also, how holily and how justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you. How? As a father doth his children. So when you first look at that verse, when it talks about how we behaved, verse 10 is kind of relating to the integrity of your behavior. So the consistency of your behavior, how we behaved, and what happens with behavior. Guess what? If you're discipling someone, newsflash, they're watching you. Even when you're not discipling, you're discipling. Does that make sense? And again, I'm not trying to put the perspective, you know, as a disciple, that you could be perfect. No. No. I am not perfect. Believe me. That's how to be the guy up here sharing this information with you. But the key to it is, and this is the hard part, when you mess up, you got to swallow your pride. And we've got to say, I blew it. Where do your greatest learnings come from? Yep. When you blow it, right? You, it's a multitude of learning. So guess what? So when you're discipling someone, when you mess up and you share that situation with them, guess what? They are learning through you about that opportunity. That's not to say they might not make the same mistake, but they also are learning, dude, what happens when I make those mistakes? How do I respond in those situations? That's the key that we've got to have when we're interacting with our disciple. And then verse 11 talks about the instruction of your words. So there's the aspect of how you behave, but then there's also the aspect of what you're saying. So you exhorted, you comforted, and you charged. Again, you're not showing up with your 50-pound Schofield Bible when you're shoving it down their throat or beating them over the head with it, right? We're showing up with them with some grace, man. We're not perfect. I don't know what you guys, there's probably, there's times, right, that we've all experienced where we've not read the Bible. Something's happened. Something got crazy in the morning, right? Or, better yet, You've read the Bible. And what happened to it? In and out. What I read? I have no idea. And that, I, that's happened to me. I used to work uh, for a company. I have to drive about 45 minutes away. And when I would do that, I know, there was a thing called a CD. It's years ago. It's a flat disc. has information on it. Uh, but I'd put it in my car. And I would listen. I have the Bible on CD. So I would listen to it while I'm driving. Okay, windshield time. Let's take advantage of that. So while I'm doing that, I'm listening. But there were some times I've had other things on my mind. I've driven and I've listened, and I'm like, totally didn't get any of that. So guess what? Rewind. <laughs> Let's go back. And also, and here's the key to that. And this is something when you're communicating with your disciple is stop and pray. Stop and pray. Again, we're not going to pick up the Bible and read like you do. You say a newspaper. Read an article on the website. <laughs> right? Because who has written the book? The Holy Spirit of God. And how about you guys? But how awesome is it that you get to have the author personally with you? How many books do you own that are on your bookshelf at home or your office that you personally know the author? You could have one or two. Maybe. Maybe. With the Word of God, with the Holy Spirit 
indwelling within us to communicate it. But the key is you have to engage the Holy Spirit to communicate that to you. So that's the respect we have. So we're exhorting, you're comforting, you're charging them. You're kind of setting these things. And you know, the aspect of that is, and I talked about it a while ago, is you are an example to your disciple. They're watching your life. They're watching the things you do. They're going to hear you say these words. They're going to talk about how, they're going to see how you admonish them. And they're going to watch you. They're going to see what you do. They're going to see how those things play out. Because you don't really want to be the one that's just communicating words and it's not followed through with that action. They want to see how that plays out in every aspect. They want to see, what does your walk with Christ look like? What does your prayer time look like? What does your Bible reading look like? How do you share the gospel? How do I make that transition from the physical to the spiritual? Guess what? So if you're not sharing the gospel, crickets. But yet you're telling your disciple, that's what you're supposed to do. So, you know, it's very, when you're discipling someone, it's very accountable to the disciple as much to the person that you are discipling. So it's very important how we communicate those things, as well as, you know, how do we deal with sin in your own life? How do you deal with confrontation? How do you deal with a relationship that's got sideways? Because again, <coughs> we're all humans. None of us are perfect. Jesus was the only one that deserved to live a perfect life. So he is the only one that can say that he never had those issues. All right? But none of us can. We all have those things. There's going to be instances where you're going to get along with people. Those things are going to happen. But the point is that relationship is not just within an hour and a half that you're meeting together. It's a continual relationship. So you're interacting with them. You're kind of seeing what's going on in their life. It's, it's an ongoing thing. So... When we look at the next section, there's a review and discussion session. Again, I'm trying to make this very applicational for you. When you look at the lessons, there's review and discussion. It breaks down different scriptures. So after the lesson is done, you have these times where there's a personal Bible study. So you can review and discuss. And then you see here is a personal Bible study. So even outside of <clears throat> the lessons themselves, <coughs> there is a personal Bible study that you'd want your disciple to go through and walk through with them. So... You're meeting with them. You want regular in the Word of God. They're reading. They're praying. They're attending small group. They're attending worship services. I felt a mission a while ago. But those memory verses, that's also a key thing. You want to, what does Romans 12, 2 tells us? Renew your mind. And so there's something about having specific verses memorized and being able to recall them. Because guess what? You're going to be in a situation, you may not have your Bible on. You know, we're very fortunate now. You, know, you probably got four or five Bible apps right on your phone. But there been an instance to where you're just in the middle of a situation. You need a verse that can come to you. The one I mentioned last night, Matthew, or Mark 4, where it talks about peace, be still. Just those three words of what Christ said when the storms were raging around him. You may just be saying, all right, God, <laughs> your things are getting crazy around me. I need you to help. Give me a peace that only you can provide. But these are the kind of things that you want to share and equip with your disciple. Next is letter C, focus on having accountability. Focus on having accountability. Like I was telling you a while ago, this accountability goes both ways. So it is accountable to your disciple. You're holding them accountable. But guess what? The other thing is, you're accountable. Kind of makes those conversations a little weird, hypocritical. If you're asking them up as you're reading, and guess what? You haven't been reading. 
So again, it's among many witnesses. So the key there is, as we're doing this, the accountability is essential in the growth process. You have to have that accountability. You have to be willing, and again, to do accountability for your disciple, there has to be a certain amount of submission, that they'd be willing to submit to that. And again, you're not trying to be this heavy. And again, it's not that you know everything. So don't feel that perspective either. I want you to have that burden or that perspective that you have to have all the answers because that's not the aspect of the person discipling. Because the Bible talks about finding biblical counsel. And there's many times a question comes up. I used to teach our college class and there was a young lady in there and her goal in life was to stump the teacher every single Sunday morning. I was prepared for it. And at first, I just felt this pressure. I was like, oh my God, I which question is coming from? I don't know. And then I was like, you know what? I don't have to have all the answers. That's not the objective. That's, a, that's an awesome question. I don't know. And I, I don't want to mislead you in my response. Let me, let me pray over that. Let me, let me do my own research. Let me do some study on that. I may have to pull in some additional biblical counsel. But I'm going to come back to you with a response. That's a great way to respond to your disciple. You don't have to have all the answers. But the cool thing is, as those answers come up, guess what? You're building your personal toolbox of how do you respond to folks, right? Because you receive that from them. So 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and the stewards of his mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So again, we want to be found faithful. And a steward is one to whom something is committed. So we're committing it to a steward. And when we're committing it, what are we committing? We're committing the doctrines of Christ. We're talking the words of God. But to do that, we want them to be faithful with it. There's, there's some faithfulness that comes with that. So part of the faithfulness is, we have a Sunday morning service. You want to be there. We have a small group time. You want to be a part of that. We have a set time. And I will throw this in here. When you talk about your meetings with your disciple, have a set time to meet. The worst thing you do is make it round robin, and you're guessing. Guess what happens? You don't meet regularly, but you have a set time. You know what? Tuesdays at 7 o'clock, that's a good time. Is that work for you? Works good? All right, and we're going to dedicate at least an hour and a half for us to get together and meet every week. And what I would recommend is the earlier in the week, the better. Because what happens is something comes up on Tuesday night with your children, something else. And then if it's on Friday or Saturday, guess what? Whole week's already gone. You've already lost a week. So it's good to do it earlier in the week. That way some, you have a backup plan. Hey, you're going to take vacations. People are going to get sick. There's going to be times you're going to miss weeks. That's okay. It's okay. But you want to be consistent. We want to provide that faithfulness to them. So Romans 15, 14 says... And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. And that's what we're talking about. That's what accountability is. It's admonishing one another. But there's a certain way we need to do it. Galatians 6, 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... Restore such as one in the spirit of meekness. Why? Consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. There's a right way we need to do this thing. It's a spirit of meekness. 
And again, there is the clear delineation between the teacher and the student. But the aspect there is we need to make sure that we come across in the right perspective when we interact with them, to admonish them, do it in love, do it in grace, with a spirit of meekness. And again, trying to encourage them. So, hey man, you know what? And I was, we're kind of getting a rut here, and it seems each time I'm texting you, you're not available. So, and what can we do? Is there a different time that we need to meet? What what can we do to try to establish that consistency? Or, man, I miss you on Sunday mornings. You're really good about meeting with us, but dude, I really need for you to be in that small group. I really need for you to be plugged in. I need for you to be in that. That's that's all. It's part of that whole process of you growing. Those are those. And here's the deal. You have to have those hard conversations because you're doing them a disservice if you're not having those conversations. So it takes some time. Again, what we said, ministry runs on what? The rails of relationships. So the key is in that relationship. And again, so the important thing is, so how's the family? How's mom and him? How's everybody going? What's happening? Oh, you got some activities going on? Man, tell me about those things. What's happening? So as you're getting together and discipling, <coughs> there's 30 minutes or so of relational time. 20, 30 minutes of that time taking place, right? And, and there may be some other interactions outside of that, which affords me an opportunity. I'm getting to know them. They're getting to know me. You're building that relationship. to be, They're more receptive, right, to receive that. When it comes to the heavy of, dude, man, we've got to be reading. This is critically important. And until you're doing that regularly, man, we're just going to have to pause the whole lesson thing. Yeah, we'll keep meeting. But, man, we're going to take the time. And what I want you to do is I want you to journal. So you're going to read. And, and what I would say, too, is I try to read where your disciples are reading. So that way, when you're together, you're talking about the same things. You're journaling. They're journaling. What's God showing? And guess what? Devotionally, we all could read the same passage of Scripture and, each, and God speak to us individually. Right? So it may or may not be the same, but it's cool to have those conversations to help them kind of grow into that. Hey again, 2 Timothy 3. I don't think this is in my notes. You can just jot it down. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. says the word goes for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction. So a lot of that when you're working through someone is there's some negatives in there. It's going to be a little bit hard to swallow sometimes. It's not going to be things, every, everything's rosy. So one of the things from a lesson standpoint that you have is at the very end, so we actually do these a little bit differently than what was initially prescribed. We do them after, so there's 18 lessons. So at Oakland Heights, we will do six lessons, and then we'll have a follow-up. Six lessons and a follow-up, and six lessons and a follow-up. A couple of reasons we do that. One is it allows us just to kind of have a record. How are we progressing? because they turn the follow-ups in. The lessons aren't turned in, so we kind of know how, how healthy is that relationship going. Um, so we've got some time in between. Also for, and what's happened on these follow-ups is, this is completed by the disciple on the discipler. The person being discipled, right? So how are they progressing? So this isn't something, all right, we got our next lesson, we're gonna get together and do your follow-up. Nope, nope. You've done this on your own time. <clears throat> so you're asking your questions. <clears throat> Where it says, uh, <clears throat> is there, here's a good one. Are you and your disciple having difficulty meeting regularly? Yes or no? And why? <laughs> um, is your disciple saved? Did they accept Christ as your Savior? Um, is your disciple able to communicate his or her testimony of how they received Christ? So 
these are completed and then these are turned in. We review them as, our, as a group of pastors. So we review and see, hey, how are these, how are these relationships going? How is it progressing with those individuals? How are things being received in there? So that's the purpose of these. But it's also, if you're discipling, <clears throat> it's a good check for you. It's a good check for you to kind of get a feel for, am I doing what I need to be doing? Because the process there is, if you're not, guess what? Nobody said you got to go on the lesson, in this case, four. Go back. If you're getting some of these questions, you're like, dang, we kind of missed that. I don't know about the whole sharing their testimony or another aspect in there. Let's go back and brush over that. Now's the time. It's okay. Again, you want to move through, but there's a balance there. You don't want to go too quickly. You want to make sure that your disciple is getting, because why? Four generations. <clears throat> you're not just discipling them. You're not just giving it to them for them to get it. You want them to get it so they can give it to others. Who can give it to others also, right? It's a continual process. And to the level, I mean, we could take time right now. Y'all have been, we play these games where if I were to whisper something to this young lady over here, and then we tell it, and we go all the way back to this gentleman that's standing up in the back. Guess what happens? More than likely, it's probably different, right? That's why we're saying what we're saying. It's very important. That we take the time to clarify these things and make sure that they fully understand it. Now is the time to be able to do that. Number D, letter D. We need to focus on teaching in a way that is repeatable. What did I segue? Focus on making things that is repeatable. How? So the same commit thou. So the biblical truth must be simple to understand. Again, this isn't a time for you to be able to show your great prowess and your knowledge and all these great things. It's not the deep truths. <coughs> Jesus always kept things very simple. Who were the guys he chose as disciples? What was their professions? They're fishermen, tax collectors, right? And, and I've said this before. If we were Jesus, and we received the resumes of these guys. We wouldn't have selected these guys as disciples. Why? We look at the outside. God looks at the heart. So that's a perspective that we have to have when we're with our disciple. They're not going to be the same level you are. And guess what? That's okay. It's okay. But it needs to be to a point where I'm communicating this to them to where they can get it. And then they can go tell others also. That same process. Keeping it simple. It's a kiss method. Anybody heard the kiss method? Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> um, so, the key point. So, in the lesson, there's a key point. This is what I should be getting to my disciple in this lesson. So, everyone in the world lives in darkness, and there's two different kingdoms, but then there's ability to serve in Christ, and there's liberty that we have. And that's a little bit worthy. So, what I would do is you want to break that down. I want to put that in a form to where they can grasp what that looks like. So we're talking about serving. So you're part of a family, right? So in your family, there's jobs that need to be done. If you're living in a house, I mean, somebody's going to take the trash out. Somebody's doing meals. Somebody's got to be cleaning up the floors. So there's something to be done for everyone. So the same way it is at your home, the same way God wants to be at your house. It's a little bit easier to process, right? And they want, they want jobs. And, and again, you, helping your disciple understand, you yeah, they may want to jot some down some notes of some of the things that you're saying because you may already have those in your notes. 
for them to be able to reference as they're communicating this to someone else. So in the back of your handout, we looked at this before, I think it's on page three and page four, there are the goals. So when these lessons were given out, we had, I think, Ton of God for this whole group of folks with the Living Faith Fellowship come together to build these lessons. Um, and the way these work, I don't know, is it's, yeah, I don't have it. So it's in here. Um, these are the different goals. So it's establish disciple in the worship of God, the Word of God, the local church, and then in ministry. And then these are the lessons of how they're laid out, 1 through 18. If you'll flip over to the back of that on page 4. And again, what do I say about the tools? Make them to how they fit for you. It's a tool. It's a tool. So at Oakland Heights, we took these 18 lessons and we looked at how we view discipleship. And we kind of overlaid that with how we view it. So we have three goals. The first goal is <clears throat> to establish the disciple in the worship of God. It's a posture of life. The key, virtue, the key word there is virtue. And again, we're sort of looking at voluntary obedience to truth. We're looking at continual, peaceful, internal prayer, submission to believers in baptism, and then evidence by faithful stewardship. So those are the first goals. So what we do is you'll look to that list below, the lessons of personal discipleship. Goal number one is worship of God. So we took all the lessons and we kind of put them in the order of points that align with the worship of God. So the very first lesson is salvation. You need to make sure someone's a believer in Jesus Christ before we proceed. Secondary to that, how's your prayer life? I love the old lessons that Mark Trotter wrote for us. Some of you guys may have seen those and had an art, a, a whole page in there of someone's prayer life. And the prayer life was like, come before the president. Oh, great, sir. So glad to see you. Thank you for making time for me today to hear just feeble me and these needs I have. That's not how God wants to talk to you. God wants to talk to you just like we're talking. It's a personal relationship. He just wants to interact with you. So you want to help your disciple understand those things. So though we do those six lessons, and then I talked about the follow-ups. So we do follow-ups again after the first six in each six uh, lessons. So the next one was establish the disciple in the Word of God. The key part there is knowledge. So we're equipping them. Once they've established virtue, then they're growing in knowledge. And you've got the Word of God, the will of God, eternal security. Um, they're listed. And then lastly is this, establish the disciple in the work of God. So the purpose of So this is tempering. This is solidifying them in their walk of faith. So that's where you've got liberty, you've got family, you've got my job, the lost world, judgment, and then next step. So again, just some different approaches, some different examples of how the lessons can be used um, and how they can be laid out. Number next is letter E, focus on discipling faithful believers. Faithful believers. Uh, I think Michael just taught on cost of discipleship, is that right? So one of the key things there is, and we've done this before, we, we've just really established cost of discipleship within the last two, three years, something like that. Proud that we weren't offering it. What we learned from that was everybody's like, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, sign me up for that. Let me go do that. And then what happened was we didn't have as many people that were able to follow through. Because why? They didn't know what it was going to cost. It's a change of life. Again, what we're doing is, yeah, yeah, you've been coming to church. Yeah, you've maybe been in a small group. And you've been reading the Bible. But are you truly allowing it to change your life? Are you truly allowing the Word of God to be your authority? And that's where the difficulty comes in with folks, right? 
is are they willing to accept that? So we need faithful disciples. Proverbs 20, verse 6, I don't think I put them in there, yeah, is most men will proclaim everyone his goodness, but faithful men who can find. You know, everybody wants some of your time. They want to be able to hang out with you, whatever the circumstances and situations are. But again, you're looking for faithful people that are willing to dedicate, that are going to be there. And, you know, when Jesus is out teaching, if we look at that example from Mark 4, there's a great group of people that are there. And so he's speaking to them. But what happened to these masses? When he would tell them, he would always look for faithful people, right? He's teaching to the masses, but he's going to be a sifting in there. You know, we always say Jesus is not the megachurch pastor. You know, he's going to be talking, and all of a sudden he's throwing out, you know, drink by blood, eat this flesh. Dude, I'm out. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and I think Joe mentioned it last night. Because the disciples were like, Jesus, he had a whole group of people. You're running them away. What's up with that? You want to go too? You got to love Jesus, man. He's just like, man, I'm not here to, to pander to their needs. I'm here in communicating truth, and they've got to want this. They've got to desire this. So that's the perspective we have to have. And I mentioned a while ago, you want them to be faithful. If they're not willing to dedicate this time to you, continue to work with them. Continue to try to work through that. And I would give it several weeks, several one-on-one conversations. But if you've tried every such way you can to try to get them to continually meet with you, it's okay to say, hey, man, it's okay. It's okay. We'll get together another time. I'll be available for you. But obviously right now, it's just, it's just not working out. And that's okay. It is okay. You don't want to force it down their throat. You want to make sure that they're ready for that. And again, there is that need for faithful disciples. 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 and 3. It says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be alone at Athens. And he sent Timotheus, our brother and minister in God, and our fellow laborer in the, in the gospel of Christ, to establish you, to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. So again, we need faithful guys. And, and for, I mean, it's pretty, think of Paul and the learned of the learned. There was not a person that he could not communicate with effectively. He knew how he could relate to these folks. And what did he do? He took these experiences, he took these things, and he equipped Timothy well enough that he's like, you know what? I can't be there, but I got a guy. I'm also in this guy. And you know what? He's going to do as good or better than me. That's incredible. That's incre- and that's what you're trying to accomplish. It's that power of reproduction. You are reproducing who you are. That's the key. So part of that is, does the world need another one of me? Right? And again, none of us are perfect. And I will tell you, when you're a disciple, man, it puts these things in check. What's going on in my life? Am I truly a follower of Christ? Am I, am I, am I doing what I'm saying? Because that's when the rubber's meet the road when you're sitting down and you're talking with someone one-on-one. Because that's what's going to happen. So you want to make sure that they're faithful believers. Anyway, we talked about these goals here is in establishing these goals. So when you're complete with your disciple, these goals should be established. And so one of the things we do with this couple weeks ago here is once someone completes personal discipleship, we have a ceremony within our morning services. We had them come up with their disciple. But prior to that, I personally sent an email and we have a conversation with them that says, have you done these things? 
And it's to both of them. We send an email to both of them, the disciple and discipler, and say, have we accomplished these goals? Now's the time. Again, we're trying to give every opportunity. We're not trying to check a box. We're not trying to shove you through and say, man, that was also that's great. What's the next on the agenda? No, no, no. It's a process. It's a changing process. And sometimes it does take longer. Again, we do target at 18 months, but it's up to that individual. Some people move faster. Sometimes more people have longer that they can meet at a time. But the key there is, is, is life change taking place? Is that taking place in the individual's life? And we need to focus on making disciples in the next generation because they should be able to teach others also. Remember, it's not just for them. It's not just for the person they're going to disciple. It's for that person after that. That's how you know how effective that you were in your discipleship. That's pretty heavy when you think about that because, okay, that's first person. Yeah, I'm pretty good with that. Okay, yeah, maybe they get some things. But by that third one, from, you know, from that person that you just, whoa, man, we're way out in left field. <laughs> what happened? It's like the story, right, of us sharing these things. What was initially communicated was not what was initially received. And so somewhere along the way, we got detoured. And then again, that's where the tool comes in. That's where these lessons come in, is to sink you on, hey, we're covering these things. But it's putting in a form to where it's not just words on paper. Because it's words on paper, you're wasting your time. We shouldn't even start the process. That's nothing more than a tool. So the mark of maturity is reproduction. Reproduction is the mark of maturity. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. <clears throat> Most people... <clears throat> that you come in contact with, they struggle with the first sin, which is by Lucifer, right? So what was that sin? <clears throat> you know the first sin that was committed on the earth? By Lucifer? Everybody know who Lucifer was, right? Satan. He's God's worship leader. What happened? There's these five-eye wheels. You right? He's a little bit weird, right? He's got these jewels. He's bedecked with jewels and instruments. He's up there. He's leading the worship. He's looking around. He's like, dude, they're all looking at me. I kind of like this. I will be like the most high. So it's pride, right? That's where most of us are at too. Whether you realize it or not, because we want to proclaim our own goodness. Now look at me. I did a pretty good job. That's good, right? It's not about you. What was Joe talking about last night? Die to yourself. You're a good soldier. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't matter the situation. We are to die to ourselves. And again, we talked about different examples. An example of Timothy, and we've looked at these verses uh, today at 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. But 1 Corinthians 4, 15 and 17 says, Fourth, though you have 10,000 instructors, we looked at this a while ago, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ as I teach everywhere and in every church. 
So did you get that? We read through scriptures a lot of times, and we miss things. Slow down. Process what God is saying. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. He says, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. This is Paul speaking. And then was his very next words. First calls I'm sending Timothy. Wait, wait, wait. Paul, you just said to be followers of you. But now you're telling me you're sending this guy? No, no, no. I want to hear from you. I want to sit at your feet. I want to hear. No, no, no. I was like, yeah, I got this guy. He's going to be good. That's the power of reproduction. To have confidence enough that you know this individual, you've equipped them to the point that you said, there's an opportunity for someone to be discipled, and you can say, no, no, no. You need to take my disciple. Take them. Yeah, I know them. I know they'll be faithful to that. Hey, we've got an opportunity to serve. There's an, there's an area we've got a need. Man, that's a great thing. I, they've got some experience there. They're growing in that area. Maybe it'd be a great thing for them to be, to be a part of that. You know what? They'll be faithful to that. You know that as your disciple in that relationship. And then 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 to 3. It says, Wherefore, we could no longer forbear, for we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you, to comfort you in concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Yeah, we see these needs you guys got going on. We're going to leave you, but you know what? We're going to send Timotheus. You know, send Timothy over there. He's got you. That's the confidence that you have to have when you're uh, going through and being discipled with someone. So, a couple key things that I kind of just remind you of with discipleship is what should be your authority? The lessons? No. <laughs> the Word of God is your authority. These lessons are a tool. So what happens is, and I'll tell you, when I personally went through this, I was saved when I was five years old. I grew up in a country church. Pretty much every service was, you're going to die and go to hell. That was the gist of the service. That's how, you know, that was my growth in Christ was that. Um, and I was in my 30s. Joe McKegg had just came here to be our senior pastor. And he came to me and asked me about being discipled. And I was working a job, job was in Dalton, and we met early mornings. I'm not a morning person. About 6.30 every morning or once a week, we'd meet at a TA, a, tr a truck stop, a breakfast area. We'd meet and we'd go through discipleship. But the key there was is being faithful to that and being available to listen to what God was speaking. And it changed my life. I can tell you. There were things. My dad's a deacon. I went back to my father. I'm in my 30s. I'm hearing things in discipleship. I've grew up in church my whole life. I read the Bible. It wasn't daily, but I had a relationship with God. But man, I read, and I'm just like, dude, where's this been? I'm over 30 years old. I'm just hearing these things. I was upset. I was mad, really. And I went and talked about that. I was like, I feel like I've been failed. The church has failed me. And my dad his wisdom. He's like, well, you know, you ever thought you might not have been ready yet? Thanks, Dad. <laughs> right? You have to be ready. And that's what I would tell you. You have to be ready if you are going to be discipled, and the person discipling you has to be able to recognize that. Don't force feed the process. If they're not ready, it's okay. Pump the brakes. Don't, make, don't belittle them and make them feel like, 
Well, you know, it's all on you. have been trying to meet with you, and you're just not doing it. No, no. It's okay. Man, it's okay. We will get together. We'll find a time. I will be available. If now it's not good, we'll get back to it later on. But when we do this, just so you know, this is the lay of the land. So again, I'm establishing your regular prayer life. I'm establishing your reading the words of God, that you're attending faithfully to church, that you're involved in a small group, and then we're going to meet. And with that, there's going to be some homework. You've got to memorize some verses. There's going to be some personal Bible studies. You know, I want you to be dev- you know, writing, journaling. We're going to have these conversations. Because again, it's going to cost you something. So your favorite program, you may be able to watch it all the time. You're going to have to make it a priority, right? You're going to change things up to establish in your life. So it's a very valuable tool, very important. And it's really where the rubber meets the road in discipleship. But the key to that, and I can't, I can't emphasize it enough, it is up to you as a disciple how you model that, how you treat that, how you work that into them. Because it's, it's more than just this. It's more than just this. Now, I tell you, if you've been here for the past few days and you've had this conference and you've taken a lot of notes, that's typically what I would do. I'm, I'm a big-time note-taker, so I'm taking all these notes. I'm getting all this information. But a lot of times, for me, I need to take some time away and come back to that and let it marinate. Um, we have, so once someone completes personal discipleship, we have our MTT classes. We have uh, two years of MTT classes where we take people through how to study the Bible. We take people through spiritual growth, um, spiritual gifts, and those type of things. And a lot of those times, and we went pretty, this is pretty slow information. A lot of these classes, we're going through real, there's a lot of information. So you're just grasping what you can get. It's like drinking from a fire hose. So I would take time and I'd be like, okay, I'm in class on Wednesday nights, but between Wednesday and the next Wednesday, I'm, I'm pouring over that because I, I want to make sure that I'm receiving that. And that's your key as you're discipling. So if you are being discipled, make sure that you're taking the time out to receive what they're pouring into you. And, and it's okay to say, hey, can we pump the brakes? Can we pause? I, I want to make sure we get this established. And the same thing on the flip side, if you're discipling, make sure that you're reading the clues, that you're reading the cues there. And if they keep saying, yeah, I just don't have time to read, or this keeps coming up, that keeps up. Okay, the antenna should be going up. And you should say, okay, let's pause. Let's get the Word of God. Let's just talk about that. It's going to take some time. It's okay. We'll come back to that. It's okay. But let's make sure we establish that. Um, because, again, to me, what I've always said, when I finish discipling someone is I want to be confident, not that they've completed the lessons. No. I want to be confident, as I told you, that they're reading the Word of God, they're praying, that they're in a small group, that they're doing these things without me asking I don't need to be there, quote-unquote, babysitting. I don't need that accountability. That's effective discipleship. And also that they can fully share their faith with someone else. I feel like I have failed if I'm not equipped them in how to share the gospel. How do I communicate what God has done with me? And it's different for everyone. But did you practice that? That's part of that. When we talk about salvation, if they're already a believer in Christ, praise the Lord. Well, tell me about a time have you ever shared the gospel with anyone? Crickets. Okay. Guess what? Lead me to Christ. Let's do this. Let's walk through this. I had an incredible opportunity with a guy that I discipled several years back. He had a teenage daughter and only daughter, and he had talked about questions and things she was asking, and so that's what I did with him. I said, let's do let's, let's, let's do this. He'd never led anyone to Christ, ever. So we walked through it. With the Romans Road, I equipped it with, so he knew the scriptures, he knew where to find them in the Bible, he could communicate them. So he was telling me about an opportunity that at his house, his daughter's in the, her, their study, she's in their study and doing some schoolwork, she's asking some questions, and he took the time out. 
and led his daughter to Christ through personal discipleship. Because he just never had an opportunity for someone to sit down with him and show him how to do that. So again, it's a key way, one-on-one, -on -one, for you to be able to help them be comfortable with doing that. So our time is almost up. Any questions on anything that we've talked about? Seriously, I covered that good? I don't think so. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I can't tell you how much we appreciate you being here with us at Oakland Heights and being part of our discipleship conference. Um, come back tonight. We'll have one more night. Hear from Joe. We've got meals at 530. I have no idea what we're eating. I'm sure it'll be good. Oh, there we go. It's going to be soups. So that'd be great. Um, so let me pray for us and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Again, we're so thankful for your love, for your care for us. God, for the opportunity to just be a part of your ministry of discipleship. God, it blows my mind that you would choose men and women to be able to communicate your gospel and establish them in the walk and the work that you're doing. So again, I ask you, Lord, to take each one of us, that you will take our hearts, wherever we're at in that process, in that continuum, whether we're being discipled, whether we're in the process where we completed it, or whether we're discipling someone else. God, that you will equip us, you will help us to be able to know the importance of that because it's an individual soul that you have given us responsibility for. And that we will look at that and we'll understand it from your perspective and establish them in the work that you would have them to do. God, go with each one of us to go our separate ways. Just keep us safe and bring us back this evening. We'll praise you and thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.